This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Brewers, it's time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer, this is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Oh, good to be back. It is, isn't it? <laughs> you miss me when you're I'm gone, don't you? <laughs> I do, John. I really do. <laughs> uh, well, and you know, it seems like we don't have the, the time to do the things we used to do. That's true. It uh, our both our schedules are busier than ever. I mean, it's actually a challenge to figure out. A day or three each month, and we can get together and do these. Right, right, yeah. Um, let's see. I've got uh, boy uh, Sweden coming up again in March. Ah. Going to do that for a third year in a row. The uh, the craft brew conference in Malmo, Sweden. Uh, it's March, I think, eighth uh, or ninth or something like that this year, or seventh and eighth. Uh, fantastic conference. And uh, well worth uh, uh, people's uh, showing up. It's limited seating, I think, limited like 80 people. And um, it's all done in English. It's fantastic. It's so well done. Nice. Um, Anyone, you know, in Europe should be going to this thing. If you care about brewing beer, you should be trying to grab a seat at that before uh, they're all gone. I think... uh, that's a it's a really good one, and then I'm gonna use that opportunity to do some uh, pine nights probably in the Netherlands, and maybe uh, do something in Copenhagen, and then um, uh, probably something down in England as well. Maybe something yeah. in, in Paris this time. I don't know. Oh, We're, really? Oh. I'm in talks. My people are in talks with the people. <laughs> we should swing by Trondheim and visit my friends at Ausman. That's a great place. <laughs> Trondheim and Ausman. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then the, you know the next place we'll probably see each other is, uh, at least to, to hang out some, is uh, Portland for the Homebrewers Conference, huh? That's right. Yeah, <clears throat> that'll be a lot. That'll be a lot of fun. We had a really good time in uh, Portland a couple of years ago. Right. I love CBC. Portland with our with our good friend uh, John Blickman. Yes, as I recall, and Indeed. we went to uh, well, we did that dinner. Yeah, there was a lot of drinking. There was a lot of riding on the on the Met, and there was uh, um, uh, some eating and uh, a lot more drinking. And then I remember yeah. we 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 finished up at like some whiskey place, some cocktail place where like oh yeah, some raccoon was like walking down the street, and uh, <laughs> that's right, <laughs> right? Yeah. some giant raccoon. And I remember I, I think I picked up the tab at the at the cocktail at the uh, whiskey place at the end. You might have. That was that was a superb place, um, and it, it it was priced as such, yeah. as I recall. Um, wasn't there was something about it? Where is it? Like the Palmer Whiskey House or somewhere was on Palmer Street. Seems like there was some connection there. Right, right. If I remember correctly. Well, I and, had been uh, drinking, but there's you know ever since then, I've been. Uh, Back in Oregon, just about once a quarter, or you know, at least a couple times a year, up there visiting uh, our distributor and uh, doing some events and stuff. And I've, I've come to find a couple of other really killer places. Oh, nice! That uh, been having a lot of fun at. And um, he, he took me to uh, one that must have had like a thousand different whiskeys. 
It was just oh, wow. amazing. Maybe it was like fifteen hundred. It was something really insane. It's like an entire wall of just that. And um, there's a, a, a cheesemonger place where uh, you get uh, cheese and beer and a bunch of different cheeses. I mean, <laughs> if you love cheese, it's really spectacular. I mean, cool. you went. Did oh, yeah, you that's not? right. Yeah. That's the first place that I, right, uh, right. I met you guys at. Right. That's right. Yeah, the cheese oh, place, place is awesome. Right. Oh, they've got a second location. Oh. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, the selection of cheeses are just amazing. Yeah. And then uh, they have like six or eight craft mm-hmm. beers on. Yeah. And, They're the nicest uh, people, too. Yeah. Yeah. That. They're super nice. And I could have just sat there all day mm-hmm. eating cheese, <laughs> drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. I didn't need to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So... Well, and next time, we've got to take you by Frank's Noodle House or whatever it is. That's right. Yeah, I was oh, going to yeah. say, we got to go to our noodle place. <laughs> right. Did I tell you about that last <laughs> no, time? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, that's that's a good one, too. Yeah. Actual noodle handmade house. noodle, Chinese it, noodles. It, it, oh, Frank wow. pulls his own noodles. Uh, wow. It's all hand-pulled. All hand-pulled noodles. Straight out oh, of yeah. Kung Fu Panda. Right, mm. right. Mm-hmm. It's like some house somewhere. <laughs> you kind of walk just into this house. just like a house that turned into a business. Yeah. That's and, awesome. um, some of the coolest things. They don't things. make the noodles until you order. Wow. Yeah, but it's still pretty quick. And, oh, it's just delicious. Absolutely delicious. Awesome. So we got to make sure... See, we're going to have to get there early, John. We're all going to have to get right. there early. Yeah, there's way too much to do. We've got a couple of days to just to to hit the cheese place, uh-huh. to hit the noodle place, hit the whiskey place. Yeah. we got to do all that. Yeah. And then there's like dozens of more things. And then everyone mm-hmm. will show up, and then we got to do all the, uh, the conference all stuff, the too. All stuff. Yeah. It's a plan. We'll do it. All right. Well, we should make sure we bring along our good friend, John Blickman. Oh, yes, yes. I'm sure he would love all of that. We just need to tell him to uh, get out there a couple days early. Mm-hmm. So, And, you know, I know he'll be there because he's there at every conference uh, oh, yeah. showing off the all the uh, new innovations he has in brewing equipment, all the, the cool stuff. Like, I was just – so I, I think I had just not seen the Riptide pump um, prior to this mm-hmm. last conference. Right, right. And I didn't realize how innovative it really was. It is a nice pump. It really is. I mean, you know, and it's, there's just some of the things about using a pump that he has resolved. Yeah. Like a bleed valve so you can get the bubbles out. Exactly. Self-priming. And and being able to disassemble it in a heartbeat and and then reassemble it again. If you want to take it apart and, you know, check something or, you know, clean it out or whatever, it just comes right apart. It goes right back together. Uh, you know, the the rotatable, uh, you know, inlet outlet. I mean, just so many great things about that pump. It's just it, that's what he does. Innovates, you know, making making your life simpler, your brew day more fun and more productive. And uh, that's what Blickman Engineering is all about. So uh, check him out, BlickmanEngineering.com. And uh, if you get a chance, I'd appreciate it if you... Email John Blickman at feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com and told him that you appreciated his paying for this show. Because uh, if he didn't, um, I'm not sure Justin would allow us to continue doing this. That's right. Uh, I, I, I don't oh, think Justin likes us. No. Blickman notes, might be the but... only guy who's holding this together. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, make sure you, you tell him how much you appreciate that he does this for us. Um yeah, and hopefully we will. He'll get to Portland early, and we'll be able to hook up and uh, go around and do these things. You know, if we worked really diligently, if we woke up early, I bet, and we we woke up early and we focused and we stayed out late, <laughs> we could get all these things done in one day. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, where was the place that we had that amazing yeah. dinner at? <laughs> <laughs> oh man um yeah like the octopus and yeah, the, the octopus and the steak and the oh. i can i can picture it i know mm-hmm. a very open bar um, high ceilings yeah um, it's it was near cascade i know I that keep, it's I walking distance from cascade they're they're so good to the though. restaurant mm-hmm. and uh they have evil twin on all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah um Oh yeah, that was that was amazing. That was great. That was amazing too. 
Oh, we had such a good time. Hmm. All right. Uh, speaking of having a good time, um, we are going to uh, do a live Q&A show today, right now. All righty. I'm ready. <laughs> it's happening. All right. Let's do this. Let's 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 uh, light this rocket. Taylor to find the... Uh, okay. The no, I got the sheets. I got the sheets. Porno Steve's got the sheets. I thought you said Taylor for a second there. Yeah, I wasn't sure who you were talking about. Yeah. All right. This one's Taylor about made. CO2 grades. Uh, Dave is asking, is paintball CO2 grade okay for consumption? He said he's noticed a lot of places carrying paintball CO2 equipment for kegging. And after some research, he found different grades of CO2 and was wondering if, yeah, the paintball store is okay for getting CO2 for carbonating beer, pretty much. Um, he lives in an apartment, so he has very little room for a larger tank. Uh, not to mention his kegerator only has room for a 20-ounce paintball tank. My personal thought is, it's fine. Now, how different could, are the grades? Could, well, you know, there's a purity level, you know, in one versus the other. But, you know, what's going to be in there? I mean, people are imagining something really horrible is going to be in there. And... Perhaps it could be, but air. from my point of view, yeah, air. Um, from my point of view, the thing that's going to hurt you about beer is the alcohol. Alcohol is toxic. You're saying it's and more, will kill you. It's, it's like you're drinking beer anyway. It's negligible right, compared right. to whatever else I, could be. Uh, for me, I think it's fine. It's like you know when you. Uh, when you're eating outdoors and you may consume a bug or two, how many spiders do they say you eat over your lifetime just, like, you know, through your mouth being open at night or something? Apparently we <laughs> eat, like, seven spiders a year. Or something right, like something that. like that. Right. It's like, well, spiders have uh, venom in them, and they're probably covered you know, in bacteria. Walking around. And, yeah. And back um, and forth. And yeah, exactly. Crawling so, in your mouth. So, uh, I mean, uh, should you use food grade? Yes. The official answer of the Brew Network is yes, you should use food grade. <laughs> um, if it's me, I, don't, I really don't care. You can pour me a beer anytime with any grade of CO2. I don't mind. So what about for, um, okay, so we'll say it's pretty safe for consumption. What about, yeah. I mean, is it going to train change drastically for mouthfeel or no, not no. really at all? No, that's There's a not good a question. huge difference. Because you're talking about tiny levels of impurities. Yeah. And generally, it's like when you, when you buy nitrogen. Um, we use nitrogen for um, calibrating our equipment to know that uh, you know what zero oxygen is and so we want nice pure nitrogen and when nitrogen isn't pure it's got some some oxygen in it actual so, you know yeah. water yeah. yeah it's got you know a little bit of other stuff from the air in it what if you yeah. scale it up to it's a not like it's got nuclear waste you know yeah, yeah. welding grade is a, is a good way to go you know um, you never you can't go wrong with welding grade carbon dioxide or nitrogen mm. right and, but again people go oh no gotta be they so i've heard of people saying um at their brewery somebody wouldn't sell them welding grade because they had a brewery um it had to be food grade yeah food grade is not as clean as welding grade right so i you know Beats the heck out of me. I just, you know, I would use whatever you want to use as a, as a home brewer. I don't think I don't think it's going to hurt you. I could be wrong, but uh, if you don't believe, you know, if, if you're concerned about it, use food grade. Pay the extra money, um, but I think it's safe enough. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's take a short break. When we come back, uh, we'll have more of your questions right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high-temperature march pump, and either a top-tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid 
allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hey guys, what'll it be? I'm not sure. What do you recommend? A lot of people seem to like the Hefeweizen. Is that a German Hefeweizen or more of an American-style wheat beer? I'm not sure, but I can give you a taste. Okay, great. Great. The Cicerone Certification Program certifies and educates beer professionals in order to elevate the beer experience for consumers. Unfortunately, not every bar is staffed with certified beer servers who can guide their customers through a beer list. Here you go, guys. Let me know what you think of the Hefeweizen. Yeah, that's definitely more of an American meat. But I can hardly tell because this beer just smells like sour butter. I wonder how long it's been since they cleaned the draft line. Yeah, and look at the bubbles on the side of the glass. It's filthy. Somebody should tell these guys about the Cicerone program. For sure. How about we head somewhere else for another beer? Your server should give beer the same respect you do. Request quality. The Cicerone certification program offers four levels of beer certification, in-person classes, and course books for beer professionals. Check them out at Cicerone.org. The Cicerone Certification Program. We know beer. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do all for under 300 bucks they also feature the mark ii work pump a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much as well as exclusive brewers edge regulators and quality keg king kegs and disconnects check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand. Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys brew strong all right we're back 
We're doing uh, your Q&A questions. Uh, if you uh, have questions for us and Bruce Strong, you can send them to Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com, and we will eventually, over the period of 10 years, get them answered for you. Yes, because we'll definitely be around for another 10 years. Right. Well, I'm just referring to the fact that it's been like 10 years that we've been answering questions, and we still haven't answered them all. That's true. So, um, we try we try and do as many of them as we can. Sometimes questions are repeated, and so we kind of drop those. But uh, we try and at least get them all covered in one way or another. All right. Uh, next question there. Pornographic, Stephen. All right. Recently, I have had two session beers that, when reaching the last few pints in the keg, I've noticed had become significantly watery. The hell is that I brewed, similar to the brewing classic styles version, had an OG of 1.047 and a color of 5 SRM. It sat in my fr- uh, keg fridge for about two months before I finished it. I keep the fridge relatively cold, about uh, 35 degrees, since I also use it for crash cooling and conditioning. The last two pints of this beer not only tasted diluted, the color had changed from a rich golden shade to something more straw-colored, like a macro brew light beer. I had a very similar situation with an ordinary bitter that I recently made. These beers were fantastic initially, but the last few pints were lifeless. Is it really possible that, in what I'd consider a relatively short period of time, so much color and flavor could precipitate out? Hmm. That's different. Right. You know, so, I mean, there's a few things that just leap to mind initially. You're thinking, well, it could be, you know, bacterial in nature or, you know, yeast in, in nature that's uh, consuming some of the color and, and uh, thinning out some of the body and, you know, breaking down some of the dextrins and all that. But if it's 35 degrees Fahrenheit, mm, I mean, you wouldn't think you'd get that much activity in two months. You'd get some. Right, but not that much. I think the other possibility then is that maybe he likes it with like a lot of yeast and other crap floating around in there, and that <laughs> after you know two months, the fine little bits are settling out, and what he describes as watery and thin is like, well, it's no longer full of you know uh, a yeast bite and uh, haze other and haze so and other crap floating around in there. Yeah, that could be it. I, I, I don't. I can't think of another reason where the color would change unless, you know, something is really settling out. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you know, Brett and things like that can consume color too. They hmm. can actually lighten up uh, the color of a beer. Hmm. Okay. Well, that could be it. Brett, Brett could be active potentially. Mm-hmm. Huh. I mean, I've seen it. You know, consume oxidation. Ah, well, yeah, that's true. You know, oxidized products, which tend to be darker. I mean, his beer sounds dark for a Hellas at oh, 5 yeah, SRM. that's true. That was the other thing I was thinking. It's like, well, yeah, it should be lighter in color. It should be fairly pale. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, straw is more appropriate. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. I don't know what to think on this one. Hmm. You should send it in to Dr. Homebrew. Right, there you go. Well, I think here's one of the things. Let's say you live next to a great uh, homebrew shop like Great Fermentations out in Indiana. That's a good one. I would say, you know, take in some of your beer at the very beginning when you think it's great. Take it in and uh, have them taste it and give you some feedback on it. And, and, And then two months later, take in another sample when it's thin and just say, okay, same beer, what's happened? And, you know, those are some pretty uh, clever people there at Great Fermentations. Great customer service. Um, they know just about everything there is to know about Blickman products. And they got the largest catalog of Blickman products on the web. And um, real well-trained people. Great customer service. You know, uh, if you're ordering something on the mail order, they'll ship it to you pretty much uh, same day on most items. And uh, like I said, great people. You can check them out at greatfermentations.com. Uh, on Facebook, they're GRA. GR8 fermentation and uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
uh, check them out, greatfermentations.com. But those those folks, they would tell you, you know, oh, you know, here's here's the issue. I bet you they could they could pick it out in a heartbeat. Um, most great homebrew shops will be able to do that. They'll have people that uh, really have a lot of experience and have seen a lot of different things and, and can do it. It's just very difficult for us to. Be without able to, yeah, without tasting the beer, tell you much more about that. So, um, I would say, uh, you know, if you give us more information, uh, and well, and here was here was my thought earlier um, on this was if um, when you're trying to diagnose something like this, and you feel a beer has changed, one of the things to do is. You know, you, you should be testing your beer when it's finished, right before you package it or after you package it, right? Um, what's the pH? Uh, what's the, the finished finished gravity? Um, you know, for commercial, you should check your CO2 volumes, all that. After it's changed, if you're like, oh, it's changed, take another reading. Is the pH the same? Is the finishing gravity the same? Right? Has the carbonation yeah. changed? What what's happened? And if if you see oh now um, instead of three Plato it's down to one Plato, it's like ah so it continued to attenuate. Something consumed the you know dextrins that were in there, right. or maybe it wasn't uh, completely fermented in the first place. That goes back to our previous show with doing a forced ferment to know that a beer is actually fully attenuated. Maybe this person is putting a partially attenuated beer. Maybe they're not getting full attenuation to start with, and they're putting this into their their kegerator, and uh, maybe their temperature is not really thirty five degrees. Maybe it's closer to forty something, and slowly over time, the yeast in there is still consuming it, or maybe they have uh, you know wild yeast and bacteria as well, and it's yeah. actually consuming the the rest of the sugars because it wasn't fully. Uh, attenuate in the first place and now it's attenuating out all the way uh, over time yeah. wild yeast there's there's a little buzzword that we throw around a lot mm-hmm. um, and it may be good to mention that um, Saccharomyces cerevisiae variation diastaticus is often what we're talking about when we say a quote wild yeast well yes yes um that and I, I I include any yeast that is was not intended, right? Yeah. So that could be Brett, that could be uh, uh, you know any one of a number of strains. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and so uh, I think you well, know, diastaticus the, is is good to be aware of because that's also what we often refer to as like a gusher infection. Although that could be Brett as well, mm-hmm. where the beer becomes very overcarbonated. Um, all the residual dextrins get eaten, mm-hmm. and yeah, the, the beer tastes like carbonated water mm-hmm. um, once you've got diastaticus in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could be in his keg. Right. Um, that could be the that could be the factor there. Mm-hmm. I've had it in bottles over the years, um, various competitions and my own. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. Um, uh, the but the the thing I wanted to get to was testing. So um, test it when you've packaged, record that, and then you know when you if there's a change in the beer, test it again and see what the change was. You know, did the pH change? Did the uh, you know did the um, final gravity uh, final gravity change? You know, you could take a sample and you could look at it under a microscope. You could plate it out. You do a bunch of other things. Uh, maybe you have a homebrew shop or, or, or a geeky beer person that could help you out with that as well. Very good point. Um, all right. Uh, another question. This one is a question about haze. Haze. Two quick questions for you. I have recently switched to a half-assed, dangerously built electric setup using an ultra-low-watt-density stainless water heater element mounted in a kegel. Since switching to the setup, I've had a persistent haze in every batch that will not drop. I've tried finding or fining with gelatin and polyclare, but it still won't shut off. 
I haven't tried filtering yet to see if that works. Any ideas? Is this a case of causation, not making a correlation? Mm. Mm. My first thought on that was, you know, is he getting the same level of boil that he was before? Yeah, that's a good point. Because boil is important to coagulating the proteins and getting them out and... Um, you know, it could be something else, maybe ingredient change, et cetera, et cetera. But if, yeah. it, if, if it's truly just that change, I, I would wonder if his half-assed dangerous electric element setup is truly giving him enough of a boil, or maybe it's getting a dead zone in the bottom or something. Maybe the, the element is up off the bottom five, six inches, and it's boiling from there up and not really doing much with the bottom level or... Well, yeah, I mean, that shouldn't be a problem, but it could. Mm-hmm. I wonder if his, uh, how clean his element is now. I mean, if it's, you know, got burnt on crap, um, if that could be causing haze. How clean's your element there, Steve? You know, burnt you, on I, crap I, I got to keep it clean, you know. I'm, I'm a professional, man. You know, right, right. <laughs> got to keep a clean element. Clean mm-hmm. element. But, yeah, it, it could be it could be a different batch of malt, too. I mean, mm-hmm. um yeah, the malt, the change in malt over time, um, yeah. you can get real hazy. I mean, especially yeah. if you're buying sacks of malt and you're getting one crop and then the crop changes on you, you don't know. That can make a big difference. Yeah, protein levels and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd wonder if he's getting as vigorous a boil for the same amount of time. And uh, if not that, then I would think maybe the malt has changed. That's another possibility. Um, another reason to have a microscope. You can look at the, the hazy beer under that, and you can see, oh, those are yeast cells under there. Or it's not yeast cells, it's you know protein tannin complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, easy way to check. All right, let's take a short break, and we'll come back. We'll have more of your questions right after this. If you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of a American beer. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanishef, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of Citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. First Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? 
go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Saka JP. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast, an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Answering your questions here on the Bruin Network. Um, One question you should answer for yourself is, am I an AHA member? If you are not, or if you are in need of renewing your membership a great offers available you go to the brewingnetwork.com click on the uh, aha uh, link logo there and you use the offer code bn army 17 and you are going to um get two free books with your membership or your renewal uh brewing local and for the love of hops so you get those with your membership renewal and do it through the Brewing Network uh, the, uh, store. You do it through the brewingnetwork.com, through the uh, AHA link. Then the Brewing Network gets uh, a couple of bucks, and uh, you get a great membership, and you support a great organization, and you get two free books. So everybody wins. Uh, do that today. So the code is BNARMY17. All right, uh, next question. All right, this one's about astringency. That looks like a long one. It is a long one. <laughs> All right. Okay. I have an ongoing astringency problem with my kosh, and it's driving me absolutely crazy. I can't figure it out. The setup is Blickman kettles with boil coils, so all electric, and using their RIMS rocket to circulate to keep the mash temp even. I've been doing a step mash on my kosh from dough in and a small protein rest, and then ramping to 149, then 158, then a mash out at 169. Don't go over 170, it's just superstition. My mash pH is between 5.2, he fly sparges, and that temp is 169, and he treats the water to below 6.0 pH, usually down to about 5.6. His water is very soft in Metro Atlanta, so I do just minor water adjustments. He adds calcium carbonate and some gypsum he uses martin brungard's brune water to help with that he carbon block filters the water to his liquor tank the recipe is 90 percent wireman pills 10 percent vienna malt and middle fruit hops at 60 minutes uh apparently it's a little bit like your recipe but a little different uh did make- you say calcium carbonate yes okay Makes a nice healthy starter a couple days prior, settles it, and pitches with or into a 14-gallon conical. Temp controlled at 60 and ramp it end to about 63 to clean up. Transfer to a 10-gallon keg to age in a chest freezer for at least 4 to 5 weeks. Then transfer to a 5-gallon keg for another week to carbonate. Uh, he made an alt and a Scottish 70 using the same process except for the step mashing. They were a single infusion and a mash out, and they were good. Notice astringency. Only thing I think of is if could the step process through the RIMS rocket be causing that. I use it for my single infusion as well, but it doesn't have to heat up all that much for the stepping. Uh, I made a double on the first round of NHA in 2016 and got... 41.5 in the second round using the same step mash process, so I'm not sure if the dark candy hid some of that astringency or not. He's going crazy with it. He's trying to brew it the sixth time uh, with just a single infusion see if that's a problem. Hmm. The, the mash pH you said was 5.2? 5.2. 5.2. 5.2. 
no range given also did, did he have ph after the the mash I uh, said mash pH is between 5.2, fly sparge, temp is 169. Treat the water to below 6.0 pH, usually down to about 5.6. For the fly sparging? For fly sparging, yeah, nothing else about pH. Do you see what he treats it with? The no. water? Yeah. I mean, uh, he, all, gypsum yeah, all he carbonate. said was calcium carbonate. Uh, no, some I mean gypsum. The, the, the sparge water. No. He didn't say. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, if he's using phosphoric, he could be pulling all of his calcium out of the sparge water, which could. Mm, hard, I, I don't know. Five six should be should be sufficient. But if you if he's if he's concerned about um, final runnings pH. He could acidify the sparge water lower down to, say, even 5.2, and that would uh, help alleviate that. Um, but for a Kolsch, right? So not yeah. a lot of color in the beer. Right. Uh couple of thoughts that I have. One is, you know, when somebody says, oh, my beer is astringent, I had so many people say that over time. Um, and then I've tasted it, and then I'm like, "What you're tasting isn't astringency. Uh-huh. It's you know acidic. It's tart. It's uh, you know, it's this or it's that." Um, yeah, that's true. And I'm like, "That's not astringency. Astringency is kind of that you know mouth puckering bite, um, that tannic bite." Um, yeah, suck on a tea bag. Suck on a tea bag. Yeah. Um, so I always wonder. Anytime I hear that, I'm like, are they really talking about astringency, or is this something else? I always have to bring that up. Yeah. Assuming that it is astringency, um, yeah, I would look at maybe the water, maybe the mash, but um, you know the the step mash. I mean, if other beers are turning out fine and the step mash is the issue, try doing the Kolsch without the step mash. There's no reason to be doing the step mash anyways. It's just, it's not, it's not helping. It's not right. doing not really buying anything with it. Yeah, you're wasting your time more than, than anything. Try it without the step mash and see if you get the same result. If you do, then, oh, okay, it's something else. Um so that's simple enough, especially if you've done it six times. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, and it's turning out problematic six times in a row, it's time to change something up and try uh, try getting rid of the step mash. Yeah, your brew day will go quicker, and um, you know, yeah, I, I'm guessing you'll be happier. Uh, send us an update and let us know. Um, uh, you can send us uh, samples too, and we can try them. Yeah. The calcium carbonate's not really going to f- help um, mm-hmm. adjust your water uh, for a Kolsch. Um, there's not enough acidity in the mash um, to, I would think, I wouldn't think there'd be a need to add calcium carbonate. Right. Um, so. On well, the yeah. gypsum, you know, you don't really need gypsum either. Yeah, not for a Kolsch, yeah. Calcium chloride would be good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the carbonate's really not going to go into solution um, in the time that it takes to mash. It'll come out <clears throat> or it'll be expressed during the boil. So your your uh, your, your bitterness may be increased um, if, the, if the boil pH is high as a result. And it's, again, measuring your pH beginning of the mash, end of mash, first runnings, you know, last runnings, uh, beginning of the boil, um, all those points can help you identify where, you know, if pH suddenly is high, that could be where the astringency is coming from, if it is astringency, as Jamil says. Well, and um, how do you bring that up? I'm thinking, um, you know, all the other beers had some, you know, uh, 
so, at least some color malts to them. Yeah. And maybe that's, you know, like you're saying, maybe it is a pH mash thing. Because um, the only lighter color beer was the Kolsch. Everything else, he was talking a, a, a Belgian dark. He was talking an alt, which can have a fair amount of color malts in right, it. Right, right. Um, and the Scottish could also. Not all of them do, but, I mean, I've seen some pretty dark recipes there. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is. has to do with the water and uh, uh, the resultant pH. Yeah, during the boil. Right. Because if the pH goes up during the boil, you're going to have a harsher bitterness from your from your hops, uh, and as well as the possibility of some astringency. But, um, yeah, uh, be interesting to hear more about that as time goes on. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, one more? Yeah. This one's about metal and kegs. Uh, huh. How long does it take a non-pure steel to rust with exposure to water and air two to three times a day? I've got a customer... Um, he pretty much made uh, some custom fermenters and was cleaning out the weld slag after a day with them sitting in the garage. He noticed a couple of small spots where he must have gotten overly aggressive with a non-stainless steel brush driven by a hand drill and transferred metal onto the keg, which ended up showing rust. Mm-hmm. Since I've noticed the rust in a couple small spots, I cleaned them out with a nylon brush sanding bit, and now they're sitting outside coming up on the second night and have been blasted with water several times per day to get any more rust that's going to show start appearing. Should I be good after a couple of days and nights with outdoor weather temperature swings and watering it down if nothing is popping up rusty? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. If you're in, if he's had it wet and it hasn't shown rust, then you're probably good. Um, you know, the easiest way to clean up. I mean, the the way he was cleaning it up had kind of raised some red flags for me. Um, with a wire brush and a drill, I mean, that's that's a good way to transfer, you know, uh, regular non-stainless steel to the stainless and have problems. Um, uh, again, you know, stainless steel kit cl- uh, kitchen cleanser will uh, help take uh, take that off with a scrubby and uh, clean off your weld tint. Um, you know, the bluish brownish. Uh, discoloration those oxides are not stainless and they'll they'll rust as well um but you know after so after cleaning this this uh tank um he's watered it he's dried it and he hasn't seen uh, rust appear after a couple days he's probably okay he's probably got it clean all right um, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll have we'll wrap up with a couple more questions right after this. Brewing Great Beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications, with more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer, For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus and Radical Brewing Recipes, Tales, and World Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at BrewersPublications.com. Brewers Publications, all the best on beer and brewing. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support. Like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, they're amazing special issues like plans for building a brew. 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any 
Brittany Brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the thebrewingnetwork.com. to brew has never been so disgusting this is brew strong all right we're back doing live q a all right yeah i keep saying live live q a and you know uh, the phones could ring off the hook but we would never answer them yeah it was technology Beyond our capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Take emails. Right. Okay. So. You mean Devo's emails. sitting over there with nothing to do because the phones aren't ringing? Yeah, she's twiddling her thumbs. She's twiddling something. All right. <laughs> Speaking of twiddling something, uh, <laughs> I didn't think she was listening. Speaking of, so, yeah, that's what I assumed, too. I was like, she won't hear that. Speaking, she's fine. Speaking of twiddling yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> If you're if you're in the mood to twiddle, I would suggest getting yourself over to AdamandEve.com today, uh, home of the great twiddling of products. Uh, and if you use the offer code Jamil, J-A-M-I-L, uh, you're going to get 50% off almost any one item in stock. Um, and when you do, they're also going to give you three free adult DVDs, good to twiddle to, and uh, a free extra gift. So essential, I can't mention what it is on the air. And free shipping. So all you do is pay for the one item at f- half price, and you get free DVDs, free extra gift, free shipping. Uh, it's a great deal. Check it out at adamandeve.com today. Use the off code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com. All right. Uh, let's wrap up. we got two questions. Let's see if we can get through them in the next couple of minutes. And go! All right. This one's about mangoes and post-fermentation. Mm. I had a question about how to add diced IQF mangoes post-fermentation. That's instant quick freeze mangoes, uh, primarily in regards to keeping the beer clear. I know that adding pectinase can remove the pectin haze, and that coupled with gelatin will likely leave me with a clear beer. However, I plan on adding this to the secondary, and I know that alcohol and heat both denature the pectinase enzyme. So should I either do A, just throw the IQF mangoes into my beer after a star sand dip and hope whatever yeast in there will outcompete the bacteria or mold that may be present, or B, Thaw the mangoes to ideal enzyme temperature, blend them, toss them in the pectinase for a few hours to do its thing, pasteurize, chill, and toss into my beer. Just wondering what your thoughts and experiences are for this. I mean, it's kind of like a combo question of pectin, haze, and um, whether it's sanitary or not. Yeah. Um, With them frozen like that, and then, I mean, are they diced up? Yes. Puree diced up. They come, um, yeah, they just come diced. Person. Yeah. Um, generally, if they're frozen low enough for long enough, they should be clean. And if your process of handling them is good after that, you should be all right. Um, what I would suggest is just putting them in another container using the pectinase on them and then... You can just ferment the mangoes, and then you can blend it into your beer um, after the fact. I kind of like that method now, um, just because it tends to give a better fruit character, and it gives you a lot more control over dosing it in there. Um, Fermenting them with the same yeast strain? Yeah, yeah. You could Mm -hmm. use uh, any yeast if you want. Um, uh, Since it's all pretty much fructose, it ferments super easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, super quick. It just takes a day or two. And um, uh, then you can just pour the dose it into your beer to, okay. to taste. It uh, works out pretty pretty well. Um, I mean, otherwise, I don't know that I would go through you know, worrying about pasteurizing it and all that. Um, it's going to make it taste cooked. 
And mm-hmm. uh, if you want that fresh mango character, you don't want to heat it up. Just right. use mosaic. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, that sounds that sounds good. Um, probably, I was kind of wondering about the the pulp and the sediment. Uh-huh. Um, how to uh, and would you rack then away from the sediment mm-hmm. to the to the other fermenter then? Huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Rather than trying to rack the beer onto the mangoes in a, in mm-hmm. the in a fermenter, well, just, you, you're saying ferment separately. Yeah, and and you could. I mean, you can you know toss it in, and ferment it with the beer. Um, mm-hmm. That's fine. Uh, but it will ferment by itself um, separately, um, and you can just then just dose it. Your fermented mango juice, yeah. um, and you could just blend the, the the two entire things together and then let it settle out again. Uh, that'd be fine too. Yeah, that's, that would work. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last question. All right. This last one. Simple question. Is there any reason to do a protein rest on a typical American two-row-based beer? I have a European pro-brewer friend who swears it helps head retention and mouthfeel and countless other things, but I am not so convinced. Thoughts? No. Um, Typical American two-row are highly modified. Um, Therefore, a protein rest will only make the already small proteins smaller. You'll put more fan into the wort, but you really won't do anything to enhance your head retention over what you would have had before. And too too much free amino nitrogen can actually um, cause off flavors. Yeah. Uh, you can actually have, uh, from fermentation, the, the yeast will produce... Uh, some negative aspects um, through too much free amino nitrogen. I mean, I don't know if you'd get that much from you know protein rest, but I mean, definitely. There's really no could. there's there's no need to do a protein rest mm-hmm. uh, with American malt. If if he's using if his European friend is using the European malt with um, lower protein than an American malt and lower modification, then there may be some benefit to doing a protein rest, you know, for a particular brewing method and recipe. But in general, uh, American yeah. malts, no. And even then, I mean, you know, most uh, modern malts, unless they're specifically made to be lower mm-hmm. modification and protein, all that, I mean... Yeah, I mean, uh, modern malts, you, you shouldn't be doing a protein rest. No. Um, and, and, you know... We've, we've talked about that. I mean, you won't find a commercial brewer in the U.S. doing uh, multi-step mashing. Oh, there's some. There's some. Some, but I most mean, don't. But, you know, it's the same people who believed it, you know, home brewing and stuck by it and how important it was and yeah. yada, 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 yada. And, uh, you know, having to do it every time. Um you know, or somebody who was trained in Germany, I would imagine, like, you know, maybe yeah. Dan Gordon at Gordon Beers does it, or, um, yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know. For a fact, I don't, I can't, really can't remember what he said he did. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure there's people doing it. People doing all sorts yeah. of stuff. True. Okay. So, there you yeah. go. People in there diddling away. Right. Right. That's what's happening. All right. Another good show. Thank you uh, for listening. Thank you for supporting uh, the Brewing Network. And thank you for supporting our sponsors. If you have a moment right now, pull up the browser, type in feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com, and send John Blickman a nice note telling him thank you for sponsoring the show. He loves to get those, those emails. And, uh, you know, we'll see you at the uh, Homebrewers Conference in Portland. John Blickman will be there. Porno Steve will be there. John Palmer will be there. And I will be there myself as well. Come on and have some cheese with us. 
Hey, and some cheese. Cheese and some whiz. Cheese and whiz. Cheese and whiz. When we have enough beer, we start to whiz. So mm-hmm. that's where the, the whiz comes in. Uh, you can also check out the Brewing Network store. BrewingNetwork.com slash store. There's lots of goodies in there. There's hoodies, hats, shirts. And uh, when you buy all that stuff, it goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network. Helps keep shows like this on the air. Uh, right now, they're running a special on uh, monitor cleaners. Um, yeah. A really good uh, monitor cleaner uh, they've got. Um, they are 75% off. Sure. Yeah. We are actually running a special on almost everything else in the store also. There, there you go. Wow. So there's really 20, a special. <laughs> 20-ish, 20% to 50% that's a off lot. of that's, almost wow. everything. There you go. Cyber Monday. And computer monitor cleaner. So and computer monitor cleaner. All of you who's always wanted a jet ski, now's your, yeah, now's your if chance. If you want the jet skis, now's your chance. they are 50% off. It's never going to be well. any cheaper. Right. There you go. So uh, check it out today, thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. Till then, everyone, brew strong. Brew strong, everyone.